in and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, or maybe you're getting groceries at the store. You just popped us in your ear holes. Hey, maybe you're walking the dog. Maybe you're doing the dishes. Whatever the case, we're going to be helping the only way we know how by giving you 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Bespoke Post and Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who never quite achieved his Olympic dream, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Yeah, we've talked about that one before. That one cuts deep because uh, yeah, I, there was a time. It was close, Jeff, but never the Winter Olympics. So I will just laugh it off as like a very funny intro. Ha, ha, made the, I, I heard you almost made the curling team. The U.S. Oh, men's curling of my team. beautiful hair. When I grow it out, it is very yeah, curly. I, Thank you very much the, for uh, that. The, the men's perm team is what it I was born in the wrong era. I would have made that team. Um, I haven't done this up top. Hey, uh, if you love the show and you're listening to it, tell your friends about the show. It's been a long time since I've talked about the show on the show, and uh, I'm proud of it. And as we're here in February, also known as the Game of the Year month, when every Mm. Game of the Year comes out, (laughs) Um, tell your friends about the show, man. We're going to have a good month. Yeah, we're advertising the show on the show. Not the best way to do it. No, it's for people to tell their friends oh, about the I show. <laughs> Sometimes the you get complacent we... and you're so like... We spent all our advertising budget on ourselves. Not <laughs> smart. No, no. <laughs> Not smart. I, Who are the ad wizards that came I up did, with this one? I did charge a lot for that ad read right there. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank, thank you, me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, me. <laughs> all right. Um, hey, as Christian said, we got it's February, which you, you know what that means. Huge gaming month, video <laughs> games to talk about, big news dropping minutes after our episode goes live. You know how it is. It's the DLC way. Uh, and we're going to cover it all for you. And we are lucky because we have one of our favorite guests back with us. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm so excited. Because once again, DLC stands for Dorsal Land Correspondent. Because Dorsal is a Finn. And live from Finland, our friend, you know him, from Pixels and the Phileas Club and so many other podcasts. It's our buddy Patrick Beja back with us. Hey, Patrick. Hey, it's so nice to be on the show. Uh, It's been too long. I don't know how long it's been, but it's too long. Uh, And also... February is a crazy month, and uh, I actually I'm uh, I'm I'm stealing your trade secrets, guys. I went yeah. to Sean Manigan, and uh, I got a little jingle done for my ah. show, where uh, we call the, the the month of February February apocalypse, and ah. that's what it is. February apocalypse. 
And uh, it's February wow. Apocalypse, and Sean Manigan did that uh, along with a bunch of other Wait, things. But, the uh, guest dropping, dropping <laughs> hot uh, drops on our show. With the, he comes with his own sound cues. Well, it's amazing. Yes. The other ones are in French, so I'm not going to play them. Hey, but, no, I mean, uh, this French one. up our show. That's, I don't mind. I don't mind. Patrick, <laughs> I've watched Moulin Rouge several times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Voulez-vous coucher avec moi? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, no one ever, ever uh, says that to me when I say I'm French and I'm with Americans. It's the first time. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> All right. We got tons to get to, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it is a jam-packed week of, of news and game releases. So let's get right to it and start the show the way we always do. The Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send comments or questions, your own reviews. If you want us to talk about a game that we have missed and that you would like to review, send that to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Also, we've got great communities over on Reddit, 5x5dlc.reddit.com. And on Discord, which is 5x5DLC on Discord as well, urge you to take part in those cool communities with fun folks. But Patrick, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? I mean... Uh, you know, there's two tiny stories, one middle story and one huge story. I almost feel like we should get the other ones out of the way first. Um, but, uh, okay. You know what? I'll choose the Google Stadia one because I actually, uh, did a, uh, prediction two and a half years ago, better than you guys. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> that Stadia was actually a front for uh, a white label service on a Medium post when I was talking about this. And it turns out a report uh, is now claiming that uh, Google is focusing on making uh, Stadia, maybe it's going to keep going, but the main goal is to have Google Stream, is it called? Is that the name? Yeah. Supposedly. And they're approaching many different companies, uh, not just in gaming, but mainly in gaming, to have them use. Because the infrastructure is so insane, the infrastructure you need to provide these kinds of services. Many gaming companies don't have that kind of infrastructure. There are maybe, you know, a handful of companies that do. And it makes sense that Google would be the streaming service for everyone. And also that maybe Stadia is not the focus that we thought at some point as founders all of us, <laughs> yes. uh, it, it could have been. They didn't consult with any of us on this plan, uh, even I'm, though we are I'm, founders. <laughs> you know, I figured I'm at least... I'm completely baffled. Yeah, at least get a survey of some kind. You know, hey, founder, what should we do? Nope, nope, they seem to not care. Uh, yes, uh, you know, to my great shame, uh, I got this one wrong so hard uh, as far as everybody's saying, oh, but Google's going to abandon Stadia. And I thought, hey, maybe... Uh, chances are no, but you know it looks like it, it's really <laughs> chances happening are in a big yes. way. Chances are yes. Uh, it turns out uh, that, like like Patrick said, uh, Google is pivoting on the Stadia tech and is going to leverage it uh, to do other things. Supposedly, Google has uh, reached out to companies like Peloton, Capcom, and Bungie to sort of just use the tech, use the uh, the streaming tech uh, for their own 
mini services, you know, their own bespoke kind of uh, uh, individual game services, or in Peloton's case, you know, their the service for riding the bike in your home. And uh, evidently, um, Bungie is uh, developing its own streaming platform. Um, obviously, Destiny has already been on Stadia, so they have experience using Stadia, supporting Stadia. Uh, and uh, they're pitching it to AT&T and uh, Warner Brothers. So they're kind of just going oh. individually out to um, to IP holders to use this, like Patrick said, as a white label service. So Patrick, sounds like you got this right. Do you think, <laughs> A, this is a good strategy from Google's point of view? And even more importantly, is this a good strategy or a beneficial thing from a end user's point of view? Um, well, AT&T already has uh, tried it out with a, a Arkham. There was a promotion with where you could play some Arkham game. Um, yeah, so they're already testing it. Yeah. I, I think ultimately, uh, you know, out of all of the streaming services, I think Stadia technically is probably at the top. Um, it is very responsive, very uh, high quality. And I think there are a lot of companies that could use uh, the streaming technology for things that could be beneficial to gamers. Um, and if, you know, Google makes it available for, of course, for a fee, like I could imagine um, Ubisoft doing a Luna, uh, like having a, a Stadia channel kind of thing or including streaming services in their uh, Ubisoft Plus subscription. And yeah. that would be cool. And I'm yeah. sure, you know, smaller companies like, well, they mentioned Capcom, but there are a bunch, uh, could possibly imagine something similar. It's going to maybe not in the subscription because there are so many subscription services. But um, I think ultimately Stadia, even if it does go away in the end, which this is not what's happening, apparently. Uh, the Stadia team has been vehemently saying, if you hear anything please know we're very focused on stadia and it's and it's like you know you said that about the internal development studios a week before you close them so yeah sure maybe but i know there are a lot of people who love stadia i don't think this is what's going to impact the most uh, the biggest part of the population but if all of a sudden a lot of gaming companies have access to solid streaming technology, um, it could be cool. We'll have to see what they do with it. Well, it's certainly a different strategy than reaching out to uh, publishers and trying to get partnerships on individual games. You know, these third party, the way Stadia has been run up to this point is like, hey, we'll reach out and we'll get, you know, we'll get an Assassin's Creed on this thing or we'll get a whatever game X, Y, or Z, and we'll make individual deals for these individual games. And then that allows end users to buy that particular game and stream it on Stadia, which never seemed to me the right strategy for making Stadia work. It just never seemed like the way I would want to engage with that service. So I think in that sense, this makes more sense to go, hey, well, instead of us trying to negotiate these deals and have, you know, and pay people to get their, their game on our service, maybe they'll pay us to just use our technology <laughs> and and run their own service, and then That's we can some stay out of it. Business practice, practice instead of paying people, what if people paid us? <laughs> yeah, we got to get on that, Christian. By the way, <laughs> uh, um, but 
ad read for myself today. You know, oh, <laughs> smart. Yeah. See, you're way yeah. ahead of the curve. You're paying yourself. Yeah. Love it. I called it a Christian stream is what I it's, called it. Uh, <laughs> I read- like, instead of other people paying me, <laughs> I'll pay me. <laughs> uh, but, but here's the thing I n- have never understood uh, about the trajectory of Stadia. For me, one of the reasons I was a founder and actually bought the uh, bought the concept and thought, I mean, literally bought it, but also figuratively bought it and bought into the concept and, and really had hope that Stadia was going to take off is because the way they described integration with YouTube, which seemed to me like a total home run. It seemed like a no-brainer win in the easiest possible sense this concept of watch logging onto YouTube, watching a YouTube video of somebody streaming a game and going, oh, I want to play that. One click and you're playing it. Why did that never happen? Was it because they couldn't pull it off? Is well, that it, it the happened? Tech- it happened just not to scale, right? Not not every like some games had some of that really cool stadia integration, but it was never ubiquitous in the way that they advertise <laughs> that it would be so like much that's so. The way, that's the way Stadia wins. That's the way it is. It, you have all these people streaming games, doing, uh, you know, having gameplay videos on YouTube, hundreds of thousands of hours of games all the time being uploaded. It, it, that's just advertising for, I, I think the, the game publishers would have loved that. You know, if you're like one I click, think it was... I think it was like the the issues of Stadia were or are, it's not dead yet, um, so much deeper than just that. Uh, Obviously, again, I I know there are Stadia fans who write people when when they, you know, on a show you say, oh, you know, Stadia is not very popular. Yes, that you exist. I value you. I see you. you. You are important, both of you. Um, Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate you telling me that in person this time instead of via email, like every time. <laughs> but you know, Stadia is is a deeply flawed service, especially in the landscape that we have today, where its strengths are just not enough to make up for its uh, issues. And I wonder if uh, you know either it's Phil Harrison's, you know, curse. And just things didn't happen because he was there, as it's always been, it seems, in every project he's been involved in gaming. Um, Or I think someone was looking at the trajectory a few months or maybe a couple, you know, it launched, what, two years ago? Um, Six months in, they were like, yeah, that's not going to work. We don't, you know, (laughs) just, just, we're not going to tell them yet, but. Uh, you know, it, it seems like the focus was actually surprising because I was like you in the beginning. I thought Stadia was going to be a great service, but also, you know, Google would focus on offering it to everyone else. And and I think I would not have believed that they would put so little effort um, in Stadia this quickly in. And I think that's what happened. They were just like they were just like, never mind, stop working. Like two days after they launched or something. Christian, you have long been a believer in the streaming future, uh, founder along with uh, the the rest of us. But I think more than a founder, you were a true believer. Uh, what do you think about this pivot by Google? 
Yeah, I I hope it's not like the pivot to video uh, <laughs> for everybody else. Um, I still am a believer. I, I I said before, and I'll say again. Currently, I think the thirty eighty tier GeForce Now is the best version of the streaming future, and really proves the capabilities. Caveat: I live in a big city with great internet. Um, you know, and I think that's the, that's understood. That's, that's the chicken egg part of the, I think even Stadia where it needed to overcome this idea that it wouldn't be as good as playing it natively. And I think GeForce Now is, I mean, GeForce Now is releasing charts of like, here's Destiny 2 on an Xbox Series X. Here it is on our service via the cloud. You're getting better, you know, response time, better latency, blah, 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 blah. Regarding this pivot, I think it makes sense in terms of, you know, the way Patrick <laughs> framed it of like, what if we can get people to give us money? <laughs> I mean, they have the infrastructure. Uh, they did a lot of that back in tech. It works really well. I think it's, you know, a little air quote behind um, GeForce now in terms of what it delivers across devices and, and the quality of the stream, but not by much. Like it works really well i still like the their idea of the controller connected directly to the data center and that kind of thing i think is really cool and engaging this pivot if done successfully i think could be something like um amazon webs web service what does aws stand for um yeah I think Amazon web services yeah yeah or like azure for microsoft where it's like you don't realize it's the backbone of literally everything that you engage with every day and i think there's a lot of value for companies to have that stream it option you know like if you're oh maybe i do want to check out street fighter 6 stream it you know stream it demo no need to download it and if google is able to be the company that provides that to everybody and it just kind of becomes this ubiquitous thing that microsoft has now for some games on game pass where it's like you can just play it the cloud version if you don't want to download um, Halo Infinite, you know, you can just click and, and stream and play instantly, quote unquote. And I think that has still has a lot of end user based value. The question mark is how much is Google charging for this? Like that's, that's the question. Is Capcom going to want to pay a hundred million dollars, you know, to license Google stream for a year or whatever it ends up being, and I don't know if that is a big enough value add right now in the landscape of of gaming. Especially since they're already going to have their games streamable, if they want to, on Xbox, on PC via Xbox, and on PlayStation, very likely, when they announce, you know, Spartacus, um, whenever that happens. Um Right after the, the show the, post, Patrick. That's when that probably, happens. Yes. <laughs> Monday evening. Um, it's it, it, it. The streaming future is still very much in our present. I was going to say future, but it's here. It's just Stadia that Stadia's future is like. Eh, we'll see. That it's a different. You know, it's a different uh, uh, concern. Yeah. I- I don't really care how much it costs to these companies as long as, you know, they don't pass that along to me. And if the thing that bums me out about the way this is going to work from an end user point of view is that if each individual publisher has its own 
version of this? Am I going to be paying different monthly fees? Now, having said that, because I don't want to pay a whole bunch of different monthly fees, but if we're, if we're not, if we are talking a, a individual purchase where it's like, oh, hey, which version of Assassin's Creed do you want to buy? Do you want to buy the disc version? Do you want to buy the download version? Or do you want to buy the stream version? A stream version, click it and you can go. You can play it on your phone. You can play it on any, you know, your Chromebook or any, you know, cheap piece of hardware because it doesn't need to have a great graphics card in it and it'll just stream it. Uh, That's an option for your your purchasing selection. I think that's kind of a rad way to go. And if if that's what Stadia becomes, like another purchasing option for these games it's it's hey do you want to buy it in a disc that you can put in a specific console or as a downloaded bunch of gigabytes that you hold on one computer or do you want to have it as this streamable available piece of software that you can play on a whole bunch of things now i mean that one i think is fraught with peril for some because you don't actually have anything and once the you know once this ephemeral thing goes away it's gone but i do think the convenience might be attractive but that's what stadia is now you don't have a subscription for stadia you just buy the game and you can stream it um i think where where um it streaming makes a lot of sense currently at least as part of a stream uh, subscription service um but also for all of those companies if you have a, a competent streaming solution and you know the world is is okay with the idea of streaming stuff which i don't think we're quite there yet but we're we're getting there um what you can do is bypass the 30 percent of the platform holders because you can essentially be present on almost any device as long as you know things work out the way they they uh hopefully will and i think that's where it becomes at least having an option might be um attractive to some companies depending on how much stadia is going to charge for it um yeah yeah it's we'll see well i'm very excited to be able to use my peloton on my phone <laughs> which you can already by the <laughs> yeah, way i know uh, that yeah, works great i think actually peloton might have done one i think they had a game i think i was reading they had a game that was kind of delivered that way for a time on the bike but i forget if that's accurate or not but i think i think they maybe tested that um you know. Well, we'll see how this all shakes out, but you know, all the folks that told us we were dumb for being founders, <laughs> you were right. All right, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? My story of the week is the last week's, you know, after we posted our show, which I do, I mean, it is a very funny joke. I, I enjoy I enjoy the bit and I enjoy our role in the video game community to make sure that these big stories get out you know if we didn't do a show one week which i don't think we've ever missed if we didn't do a show one week eight years never missed a show never missed a week so you're welcome video game news um (laughs) (laughs) without that there'd be no news um it is sony buying bungie for just pennies i mean absolute pocket change barely any billions Um, barely any billions 3.6 billion which is like i don't know how much that is but i think I think I found that in my couch yesterday. Like it just it's, seemed. It's roughly, um, it's roughly a five percent of a an Activision Blizzard for Microsoft. Oh. I mean, just a, a, really, just, a, just a few months ago, Bungie would have felt real good about that, but now it, it feels <laughs> insulting. You know, now it's uh, three point six billion is like, oh, I'm 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 sorry, Bungie. I'm really sorry. 
<laughs> just absolute. I mean, I, I think I did. Like, I washed my jeans and I had that left in the pocket. I was like, oh, I had three point six billion in there. Oh well, you know who cares? They call that now? one cubic bungee. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is this is big news, and you know, there's a lot of stuff. Why I'm kind of glad that oftentimes we're able to reflect on things versus knee jerk react to them. Um, like this was not a knee-jerk reaction to Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard King. No, no, uh, no. It's been in the works for a while. On that show, I did talk about how quickly, in the grand scheme of things, Microsoft was able to move to acquire Activision, which is true. Uh, but you also need to remember that big companies moving quickly is oftentimes like the Titanic avoiding an iceberg like quickly it's, it, it's a different scale that we're talking about here so this this acquisition in the grand scheme of things i think still also happened relatively quickly but it wasn't like <laughs> sony woke up monday morning and was like what the hell oh shit give me Buy give something. me yeah. <laughs> they're like in the, got- they're in the checkout aisle and they're like no i'll take gum and, and, and a people magazine and and, and bungee I mean, you, you guys laugh, but surely the, the, the deal apparently had been uh, worked on for, for like six months or seven months. It's not completely impossible that seeing what happened with Microsoft and Activision Blizzard, Jim Ryan was like, all right, F it, just get it done. That's it. Like, we're just yeah, give them the been... extra 200 million or whatever. Just, <laughs> I think that's it. I mean, we could have had this for 3.4 bill, but let's, all right, uh, what the heck? (laughs) I think if anything, it's a reaction to, um, uh, golly, not, why am I blanking? Um, Bethesda, Zenimax. Bethesda, thank you. Yeah, Bethesda, Zenimax. Like that, if, if, if anything, it's that, or Epic, right? Like in, in looking at this, uh, a little deeper and the analysis we've seen in the past week, of this idea of Sony claiming that they're going to have what 10 live service games by, I think they said 2025, 2026 yeah. Bungie has been doing a popular live service game for a very long time. Um, and I think that is a big push forward into what games and gaming are going to be. And of course the specifics of this Bungie has said that they are still independent. Uh, Destiny is going to remain on every platform. They get to decide where they're, you know, where they release. And, you know, I think there will, we'll see some pull from, from mom and pop Sony being like, but this one's on ours. Um, <laughs> but at the outset, it, it seems like Sony is interested in that, uh, the IP that Bungie is working on destiny and then the new stuff. And then also the idea and expertise of running these, um, live service games that continue to pull in, retain players and pull in revenue. I think Bungie said Witch Queen has over a million um, pre-orders already, yeah. which for a, you know, 10-year-old game, I know it's not 10 years old, but like, Destiny 2 is long in the tooth. And to have this expansion pulling those numbers is a real testament to what that team has done. Now, just the funny, you know, giggly part, Jeff, that I like is that, wait, the creator of Halo is owned by Sony and the owner of... <laughs> Crash Bandicoot is owned by Microsoft. Like what? Yeah. The what? <laughs> Up is down, left is right. Dags, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Yeah, uh, it's. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead, Patrick. 
I, I, I'm in Finland. It's so far away. I can't cut you <laughs> off without it sounding weird. Um, it, I mean, there, there's so much to unpack here. But um, first of all, the, the games as a service thing. Yes, Sony needs games as a service because it's what they're lacking right now. They have a lot of, sing, uh, you know, single player experiences are very well regarded. They don't have a lot of games as a service. And games as a service, I think, play really well in a subscription service. So I, I think, you know, especially for Sony, it's a very difficult uh, circle to square with that subscription service because they want to get and your money triangle. for the full price game. Um, <laughs> yes, those two. It's so complicated um, <laughs> that that I think service games like... Uh, I, I'm sure, sure, it's going to be on every platform, Destiny, but I'm sure you're going to get some stuff on, you know, the upcoming Spartacus uh, included in, in the subscription. Um, so there's that. And then a, a million things. But apparently Microsoft wanted to buy... Bungie as well, according to one industry insider, Jeff Grubb. Um, a, a, a year ago, was it? And then Bungie was like, there is no truth to that. And But but it seems the deal didn't go through because Bungie really wanted to remain completely independent, which I don't know who is negotiating these deals at Bungie, but that person deserves like you know a chunk of those billions because remember when they <laughs> left activision blizzard who was their publisher it was what two years ago three years ago and they left activision blizzard and they were like yeah we're just keeping destiny and we don't give anything to activision blizzard and we're just a different company now and when they left uh, microsoft even then it was like microsoft just let bungie go <laughs> what okay they kept halo but how do you like they owned bungie they actually owned the company and the employees and the know-how and then they leave activision blizzard as a, who was their publisher and who co-owned the ip destiny and they keep destiny and now they're being bought by sony and they're like apparently a big part of the contract is of the you know the purchase is Bungie remains independent. Who is making these deals at Bungie? <laughs> well, I think like, you make a good point. What superhero, what business superhero <laughs> is doing this? It's crazy. You make, you make a good point. They, they've had a lot of experience uh, going through these <laughs> kinds of things, uh, much more than other, other uh, yeah, studios. You know? uh, it, it's, Cade uh, 6 didn't die. Cade 6 just moved his fast-talking mouth to sealing deals for Bungie. You know, quit. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, and and I, it, the funny thing is as well about the the uh, the the games as a service thing. Uh, they got apparently a lot of help on Destiny from the Diablo three team from Activision Blizzard. Uh, yeah, which you know helped them figure out what players want and how to dole out loot and stuff like that. But yeah, well, I mean, uh, the details of this are fascinating, and there's as you said a lot to uh, unpack here, but. I'd like to even step back a, a little further because, you know, we've seen two big blockbuster deals in this very, very young year and a year that is so young. I have to believe that we haven't seen the last big acquisition. <laughs> it feels like this is, this is not the end of what we will be talking about as far as consolidation in 2022. And Jim, Patrick Jim Ryan has said, Jim Ryan has said, you know, there's more coming. Yeah. So, the checkbook uh, is still out, baby. It's still on the table. <laughs> We got more checks in there and my pen has ink. 
Um, I'm in. The, I go to the grocery store once a week, and those checkout line <laughs> the kiosks yeah. are mighty. I get the gum, the People magazine, <laughs> and which publishers next? Um, so, Patrick, I'm curious what your take on consolidation in general is, because obviously this is the big trend right now: is everybody gobbling up the littler guys, the the slightly littler guys being gobbled up by the, <laughs> the biggest fishes. Uh, so wh- what do you make of this? Do you think this is a, a bad thing for the industry as a whole? What, what do you make of it? I think it's very easy, and a lot of people have been doing this, uh, to, to fear that we're getting into a place where consolidation will, will have negative impact on the industry. Uh, because we have a very clear and recent example of the tech industry uh, going into weird places because it's so consolidated. Uh, but I think a lot of people forget how different the gaming industry is and how uh, how much of a thriving uh, competitive ecosystem it is. Like there are, even if you just imagine that the big platforms will buy everyone else, like there's still, of course, Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, Steam, Epic, Apple, uh, Google, who are also game platforms. But And beyond that, you have like big centers of power in Japan, in China, like dozens of companies that are competing against one another and and even big publishers, small studios, double A, independent, et cetera, et cetera. So I I think the uh, gaming industry is extremely, uh, what's the opposite of consolidated, fragmented, extremely fragmented to a point that can actually be a detriment to the industry and the people who work in the industry. You know, when you have uh, uh, hundreds of very small players, it can be difficult to, uh, you know, most companies, most gaming companies at the moment are a game away from bankruptcy <laughs> all right. the time. Yeah. Um, and for for gamers, for us, there has never been a better uh, uh, time for gaming and so many awesome games, so many games. Um, some might even say there are. There you go. Um, but it, it's for, for so for us, it's awesome. But the industry itself is a um, I wouldn't say dangerous, but it's tough. It's a tough place. And I think a company like Bungie will benefit from having the backing of a bigger fish uh, that will help them be a little bit less uh, uh, you know, subject to the whims of the market and more companies could benefit from that as well. So if we were in a place where like the tech industry, there are, you know, three big players, or in the case of the tech industry, it's five. And given what's happening to meta right now, we see that there is still room for disruption, but we're definitely not in a place where consolidation is a concern. And I would argue we are not even close to a place where consolidation is a concern. So good mm. to keep an eye on it. Good to mention it, but eh, chill. It's fine. We're okay. Yeah. You know, up to, up to this point, we've seen uh, the purchasing of kind of small little indie studios, you know, and, and whenever that happens, I always go like bully for them. You know, I'm, I'm happy that the, these little engines that could are now getting the financial backing of a, of a, large publisher and they're you know folded under the wing and, and they'll get a lot of pr push and and the, these big pr 
departments in in big publishers and you see that you know you see these uh these little uh studios that over the last you know five to ten years would get bought up and then all of a sudden they become a first party studio for one of the big big gaming publishers and you go oh that's that's awesome they have more resources they have more backing they're they're folded in the difference now is that it is huge companies that are getting purchased up. And so it, it, I don't have the same feeling of like, well, bully for them. It just feels, you know, it's not like, well, they didn't really need, Bethesda didn't need more marketing oomph, you know, it didn't need, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating development to see. Um, Christian, what, what's your take on consolidation? Yeah, I think it's too early to tell, to be honest. I agree with a lot of what Patrick said. Um, Adam Conover, who did uh, Adam Ruins Everything, had a, a, you know, I think it was a TikTok that I saw on Twitter kind of, you know, go viral with his take on uh, playing that Adam Ruins <laughs> Everything role. Um, and his idea was like, well, this is Microsoft Microsofting, um, which before that was Walmart Walmarting, where it's like you can come into a space and handle losses, be the loss leader for so long that you then muscle other people out. Um, and I don't entire. I think it's worth watching Adam's video. Uh, I don't think it's entirely accurate at the moment, but I think for my two cents, I'm curious how consolidation plays a part in this. You know, whether whether it's Spartacus or whatever it is, and Game Pass and the streaming or not streaming, sorry, it's the subscription-based future works where, you know, maybe Bethesda, half tongue-in-cheek, but maybe Bethesda did need that extra, or would need that extra marketing oomph in order to um, get their game out in people's mind as a $70 purchase versus the, you have it already. Like, you know, I rented a movie last night that I watched, and that's a little bit of a lift, if I'm being honest, for me to do that versus all the stuff out there that I'm already air quote paying for that I haven't watched. Like what's going to get me to spend whatever it was, six bucks to watch this movie versus everything else that maybe I kind of want to watch a little less, <laughs> but I yeah. already have too much of. Right. I think that's where consolidation becomes, has the potential to become very interesting in this space. It's going to be interesting to see what the rest of the year has in store for uh, big acquisitions. Because I feel so like do you, want to, do you want to predict yeah. who, who's next? Do you want to predict? I mean, who's who's left? I I, I think there's a <laughs> yeah, there's a real possibility Ubisoft gets bought by somebody. Um, but what? I, no. What you, you think? Well, you I think mean, so? it's much smaller than those that have. But yeah, no one needs Ubisoft now. No one needs them. What, Nobody needs the, any of them. Oh, I disagree. I think Sony did had a, 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 a you know, as we mentioned, uh, they needed games as a service, and I'm sure yeah. there's going to be a strike team at Bungie now that's going to travel to Sony Studios and say, "Yeah, that that thing you're doing now when you're developing your game, we tried it, it went horribly. So change that if you <laughs> that strike wanna, team you know. and group of friends. It's not going to have matchmaking. 
uh, for the first few years. <laughs> <That's> gonna be... <laughs> yeah, and there's going to be one exclusive on one platform. No, um, <laughs> but you know, I think the the big the thing that is the more uh, as the chat room is saying, uh, one a Japanese developer of some kind or yeah, IP yeah. from Konami or something. It seems right. like that's the more Except likely Konami target. Has nothing of value. <laughs> what? What are you maybe. talking about? They have IP. They have IPs. Yeah, they have, they have they don't, gigantic IPs. Dev. It's the library you know that what? now they've become an NFT company based on, right? Yeah. Like well, they made they made one hundred and forty thousand dollars on those NFTs, so I think yeah, you know that's trying. not going to. Yeah, and they made a lot of money last year on you know Yu Gi Oh and and free soccer thing. But anyway, uh, what a lot of people are talking about now is Capcom, which was too expensive a couple of years ago when suddenly uh, Monster Hunter World was such a big hit. Uh, but now that everyone's like, oh, crap, we need to buy someone. Who who can we buy? Maybe maybe uh, Microsoft or someone is like, all right, fine. You can have those extra those extra three billion. What do you like? <laughs> what do you care? We need we need Japanese games. Let's just get Capcom. Get Capcom on the phone. We're we <laughs> buying them. I'm going to I'll take my my gum, my people magazine and a Capcom. <laughs> That's all Maybe. I need. Yes. And this ping pong rat pack rat. I mean, chair. square square Maybe it could be acquired. I don't even know how much they cost, but like apparently yeah. none none of these questions matter. It's just who do you want? Like Yeah. You, well, didn't uh, Totillo or somebody like put out a tweet with like everybody's market cap value? And it's all, yeah. it's like peanuts compared to, compared to Activision of, Blizzard. Of yeah, course. yeah. So yeah. it's all, you know, who knows? It's going to be an interesting year. That's for sure. Um, all right. I'm going to take a second and thank our sponsor, Squarespace. You've heard me talk about Squarespace. I'm sure if you've listened to the show over the last eight years, because they were one of our first sponsors and continue with us. And we're so grateful. I'm happy because it's easy for me to recommend Squarespace. I do it anyway. I recommend it to my friends and family all the time when they need to buy, uh, make a website and they don't want to pay someone to make it, which I, I find very understandable because Squarespace makes it easy. They have tools that are so simple to use that you are able to make it yourself. You make something beautiful, something original, something that looks unlike other websites, but so simple that you were able to make it yourself. Um, anything that you need to do, anything that you need online, whether it is to blog or, or publish content, advertise for something, promote a business, or have an online business. You can even sell things with a Squarespace website. So simply, all the e-commerce functionality is very, it's just drag and drop. You just <laughs> click a widget and boom, your site is a storefront. It's so simple to publish content, showcase your work, turn a cool idea into a website. It's really so simple. With Squarespace, what you do is you start with their templates, uh, which are created by award-winning professional uh, uh, designers, and then you just make it your own. You uh, you drag and drop. It's so simple. You just what you see is what you get. Everything is optimized for mobile out of the box. You never have to update or patch anything. That's all handled for you in the background. It's really eliminates all the pain points of making a website, which is why I recommend it to my friends. Uh, plus, once your website is up and running, you've got analytics that help you grow the website in real time. They have a built-in search engine optimization and 24-7 award-winning customer support. Make it yourself with Squarespace and we can help 
Just go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. You'll save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Even if you're just buying domains, Squarespace is the only place I don't buy domains now because the front end that they have for domain uh, is, is, it's so simple. It's cool because you go in, obviously, very few domains are still available. So you you go in with an idea and it, it suggests alternatives. It's got over 200 extensions. So you, you can get these cool other extensions. It's just slick, easy, convenient. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. Promo code Jeff sent me will save you 10% off your first order. All right, guys. Uh, you've left me a couple of interesting stories. So I'm going to do both of them. Uh, because they're, they're both kind of short. Uh, the first is a textbook case of Jeff was right. Because we got another delay up in here. Uh, big, big time delay. A, a game that we were considering uh, in our uh, 2022 preview episode as being a front runner for, you know, one of those game of the year type uh, contenders. And that is Rocksteady's next game. Suicide Squad killed the Justice League has been delayed until 2023. So uh, here we are, right at the beginning of 2022. They're already going, not not this year, folks. Sorry. Um, You know, originally was targeted as an October release. Um, You know, not a lot to say here, but Patrick, were you surprised by this? I mean, the the bigger hint uh, of this was that we still didn't have a date for... What's the name of the like, Arkham Nightcap? Arkham Gotham, Night, is it Gotham Gotham Knight. Arkham Nightcap. I love that. Arkham Nightcap. Yeah. Um, Robin, it, it was supposed I need to... you to come upstairs and have a <laughs> coffee with me. <laughs> well, you said it in that voice. It, it, yeah, it, it's uh, concerning. Um, it, so, yeah, we didn't have a date for it, and it was supposed to come out this year and kill the Justice League this year as well. That was like two games that could be a little bit similar or at least scratch the same itch from the same publisher. Uh, it seemed weird, especially since, you know, we didn't have a date. So I think what it means was, is, is this is still a rumor, by the way, it's not confirmed, but it seems likely that uh, Suicide Squad is going to be delayed to next year. And this year we'll have uh, Arkham Nightcap uh, instead, which I'm <laughs> fine with. Looks pretty cool. Yeah. Christian, I know you're excited about Arkham Nightcap as well. Um, but uh, I texted you about this one with a, you know, hashtag Jeff is right. And, and you, uh, you, you were pretty unsurprised. I'm pretty sure I've said on this show, like, I don't even think it was a bold prediction. I think I just said, like, there's no way. I think it was like, if I remember correctly, I know it was a text between you and I. And I think I said it on this show when they announced that October date. I think my reaction was like, there's no way there's there's no way. Like, but this also doesn't feel like a, okay, well, it's coming out in February. This feels like a, it's coming out next holiday. I mean, a a holiday from now. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the safer bet. And yes, as a greedy, greedy boy, I'm disappointed because I really want to play this game. Rocksteady games have consistently been some of my favorite every year they come out. Um, It's also a still a pandemic (laughs) you know like yep it's hard and remote is harder and you know i imagine that it looks like you know from a lot of the cutscenes they've shown like are they mo-capping actors i'm not sure but like i know things are still getting made 
but everything is so much harder. Just scheduling play dates is harder for my kids. You know, I can't imagine, oh, can you imagine scheduling how hard it is for uh, Rocksteady to schedule play dates. <laughs> Get UA testers in. I agree. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, and I hope that uh, Gotham Nightcap is incredible when it comes out. I'm also going to be surprised if that now usurps this uh, October date and kind of falls because they had said like early, yeah. like every, the rumors like, oh, Gotham Knights first half, uh, Suicide Squad back half. And hopefully that Gotham Knights team now can breathe a little easier if they were <laughs> if they weren't before. And Robin gets a l- little more. Robin, I, <laughs> I'd really like you to press X to have a drink with me up in the Batcave. Oh, Batman, I'd love to, but I'm only 10. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It got weird. It got weird. <laughs> oh, you think story. it wasn't weird before, Jeff? <laughs> have a nightcap. Robin, just have a nightcap. Just a quick nightcap. I will, but first I'm trying to understand how to do this factorial math problem. Can you help me? <laughs> oh, you use the bad computer, Robin. <laughs> uh, the other story, the other story is that uh, Rockstar Games has pulled... Um, a what is becoming increasingly more common now uh we just saw respawn do it uh who is that who else would just did it, it was another kind of big blizzard t- blizzard oh right yeah. blizzard and, with uh, their uh, new ip yeah yeah uh announcing a game with a tweet uh that is i think more geared at hey we just need to hire some people for this thing and we know that if we put out hiring notices it'll leak into the press and people will be reporting it as news anyway so let's just own it ourselves and say that gta 6 is in development well well underway quote unquote well underway the next gta game like gta 6 is what you know the articles have put spin on it but rockstar's tweet is like we're making the next one sure i'm i'm betting it's gta 6 but it could be sort of a vice city or a san andreas or whatever whatever they whatever they want to call it it doesn't necessarily have to be gta 6 I'm guessing it's been enough years that a big numbered sequel is probably what it is. But regardless of that, um, they are uh, they have officially copped to the fact that it's that's happening. I don't think it's a surprise to anybody. Obviously, GTA Five is one of the biggest selling video games of all time, if not the biggest. Uh, and of course, they're going to make another another GTA game, and of course, they're working on it internally. But I think well underway means. You know, it's only five or six years away <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of ten, and uh, and to me, this this reeks of hey, we need to hire more people, and hiring in the video game industry has become much more difficult uh, in the COVID times and in the last couple of years, and so the, this was going to be public anyway, so we might as well make a tweet. I, I kind of think it's you know it was massive headlines this week, and so I think you know we need to talk about it also. But I don't think it's a massive headline. Do you, Patrick? No, I don't. I mean, obviously, it's the kind of thing, you know, in, I don't know if it was the, the same in, in the English-speaking world, but in France, a lot of people, our French Twitter was like, oh, well done, games journalism. Like, that's news. Of course, there's one coming out. And it's like, again, chill. Uh, you know, it's not big news, but you're not not going to report on it. Right. It's like when the PS5 was announced to be called to be named PS5. Uh, yeah, we knew it was probably going to be like that, but it goes from speculation to confirmation, confirmation and you report on it. And so that that's, you know, that's it. I got a little bit 
angry at, at Twitter, which why would that ever happen? Um, <laughs> angry really at Twitter. Not, <laughs> but it's not it's not really much bigger news than than that. So I think the fun thing, if we're gonna, you know, if we're gonna spend time on the story, I think the fun thing is the part that says um, you know, that they are uh, they will quote significantly move beyond what they've achieved before, um, which, you know, nobody's, you know, even Apple is like, this is the greatest iPhone we've ever made. You know, everybody's going to say that, right? Why would they say like, well, this is, it's going to be great, but not as good as the last, last one. You know, <laughs> of course, everybody's going to say that. But if we take them at their word and, and use, you know, significantly move beyond as, as a moniker, my question to you, Patrick, is what would your dream scenario be as far as a significant move beyond what GTA has done before? You can make and buy NFTs. No, I'm <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think if, who who the hell knows? Um, probably graphically, it's going to be. I, I think GTA has been very interesting because it has actually uh, taken a lot of risks in changing up formulas in what it does. And the latest one, you know, playing three different characters that would continue living their lives when you weren't playing them was an interesting narrative twist uh, for games like that. So so I'm not sure it's going to be, obviously, graphically, it's going to be much prettier and uh, maybe the city is going to be bigger and maybe they're going to go, I don't know, to not to Europe because we're sane and you can't make a GTA here, but um, maybe there's going to be some kind of uh, interesting approach to that open world gangster life thing that we can't really think about now. Um, And that's what I would hope they try to achieve and not just, you know, photorealistic graphics and, and that many hundreds of cars and that many numbers of missions, you know, something a little bit more, um, yeah, yeah. I definitely don't need a bigger. You know, it's twice as big a play area. I, I, you know, it's already these games are already massive. These open world games are already so huge that that doesn't dazzle me anymore like it used to in the old days. You know, it's like the island is fourteen times bigger than the island in the last game. I that doesn't uh, that's that's not gonna you know blow my skirt up. I I would be excited about a new level of density of sort of simulation of having um, a world that feels more alive and less uh, less sort of uh, you know static people walking down the streets and you know I remember the old Ultima games where it's like every NPC has a daily routine and does things and lives a life and bakes bread and you know g- gets up in the morning and tends to the horses and. I don't know that kind of and and to be frank you know, to be fair um you saw some of that already in Red Dead Redemption 2 right there's the is people mm. tracking the NPCs and how they had little lives and stuff so the the density of that kind of thing to me is more interesting um but ultimately if if a significant move beyond the best significant move beyond from my perspective is we all to know. grow up <laughs> just oh, grow oh, up oh right i thought tone. you were going to say vr but oh, yes, well, that's VR better. would be awesome. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think VR would be amazing. Um, yeah, that would be really cool. Or at least have a VR mode. Um, some people modded GTA Five to have uh, VR mode. It's amazing. But um, but like just yeah. tonally, go up. I know Grand Theft Auto is always going to be Grand Theft Auto, and they're probably not going to mess with the uh, mess with the thing that made them 
billions of dollars, but it would be nice to have it not feel so juvenile uh, tonally, but I don't know. Christian, do you have a, a hope? I don't know if it's a hope as much as it is a curiosity or potential prediction of GTA Online still makes so much money for them. At what point do they, and it's kind of the problem that um, WoW ran into, where it's like you don't want to make WoW 2 because WoW is still doing all right. Like when do you do that forced upgrade? But I am curious if this next GTA is just fully embracing online in a way you know it's a Fortnite, it's a bungee and it's not a separate mode like red dead has its online gta online is still massive um so i don't know if they want to pull away from that but at what point as we've seen call of duty do um in other games does gta kind of say we no longer need this single player thing in the world you want that density with people that live routines, great, because they're real people, <laughs> you know, yeah. like the best way to improve the AI is to make it uh, other, other players. And I'm curious how much this next, you know, main game narrative game will make more and more playable together. Five had some fun. The heists, I think were some of the best content in five, the multiplayer heists, they were kind of like, little raids, you know, little puzzle boxes at times. And I think some were (laughs) more frustrating than others. Um, But I'm very curious to see how Rockstar leans more into that cash cow for them um, and and makes that bigger and better. And then the other thing you guys said, wouldn't it be enough? I mean, if GTA 6 is just the Matrix Awakens, you know, like if it's that... That'll think, be enough for me. I'm shallow. That'll be. I mean, I enough. think. I think that's the <laughs> safest bet of all. Is that we we got a little sneak peek into what the next GTA game <laughs> is going to look like. It's like that's mm. by the time this game comes out, that's going to be how all games look. You know, so very likely. Yeah, I, I'd be, I think there's, I'd be stoked. <laughs> there's one last thing to mention. Um, remember that Downhauser is not at Rockstar anymore, yeah, that's and true. he yeah. apparently was uh, the driving force for the extravagance of those games um, in in recent years. And he was the one pushing to make you know the 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 famously realistic uh, horse testicles, for example, that would uh, shrink in winter. And stuff like that. And mm-hmm. he's not there anymore, specifically because he was pushing the, the team so hard um, that it was becoming unhealthy and, and toxic. Um, and so I'm curious if that would affect, you know, the ambition of the game. But I guess we'll see. Unchanging horse te- testicles confirmed, I guess. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. what a tragedy. <laughs> what a the, tra- the game I, I mean, suspect is going to make it unplayable. It's just going to—it's just going to throw you out of the realism of the experience. You're going to be like, "Wait a minute, how cold is this game right now?" I have no <laughs> way of knowing. No way Stop. of knowing. Stop. All right, uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about the games that we have been playing. There's some big ones. Big ones. It's February, everybody. So let's get into it in the playlist. Patrick Beja, what have you been? Pl- I know one game and I, I kick myself because I didn't try. You've been petitioning me to try one particular <laughs> game. And I even had a flight to Orlando for a job and I could have played it on the plane. And I didn't even occur to me to try it. I'm kicking myself. But anyway, tell me what's on your playlist. Um, so we'll we'll leave that one for, for the end. Okay. Um, but... 
I, so actually, I see on the list that you've been playing the one that I uh, wanted to talk about first. Uh, Sifu mm. came out for uh, deluxe version pre-orders today. Yes. And I didn't realize, and I pre-ordered it yesterday evening when a friend told me that it would be available a little bit early. And Scandal, complete nightmare, when it was supposed to be released on PlayStation 5, it was available on uh, on the Epic Game Store, but on PS5, it wouldn't download. And I don't know if you're aware, but I have children. I don't have hours to spend on waiting for a game to download. And uh, apparently it was a big issue for every player on PlayStation 5, it wouldn't download at all oh, no. for anyone for hours and hours. Um, and that's actually like you had to pay an extra 10 bucks to get the deluxe edition um, to get the early access to it uh, by two days. And uh, it only downloaded in the, you know, I would say six, eight hours later. Oh, man. And even now for not. Yeah. And and that was kind of I was like, I'm going to play Sifu. I'm going to be able to talk about it on, on uh, DLC. And that's going to be fun. And so well, I, I can tell you about it. I I, uh, I was fortunate to get a uh, review copy several weeks ago, so I've been I've been playing it for a while and uh, played quite a lot of it uh, on PC. Um, it is it it was frustrating for me uh, on a number of levels, but um, mostly because the it, it ostensibly supports super ultra wide, but it does oh it in God. a way where it zooms in. Uh, it just it's like stretches in order to fit the 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 wide dimension it zooms in on the up and down dimension so it like cuts off the top of the head of the of the main character so i actually had to play it in a different resolution anyway it was very frustrating but um i have been playing a a bunch of sifu and it is i'm conflicted about it it is a i think it is a very very good game on a number of levels and an extraordinarily frustrating one on others um I I think that the the fluidity and the expression of the martial arts in the game is almost unrivaled in in video games. I I just I think the way that moves flow for one another, the way you can bounce between enemies and 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 link your attacks together and the way it looks like a martial arts film in in action is pretty extraordinary. I think that they've really managed to do something that pushes the boundary of how martial arts is expressed in a video game, which is, which is really exciting. And ultimately it sort of feels like a mashup of a brawler, like double dragon or, you know, TMNT or any of those old classic side scrolling brawlers mixed with something like a street fighter or mortal Kombat, with a big dose of, dark souls thrown in as well uh and it, this is a very brutally challenging game i mean it is a game that is very demanding uh it it you can die from a total uh you know trash mob type enemy they can kill you in two hits three hits you'll be dead um and the cool thing is uh, you know for folks that might not be familiar with the 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 kind of um premise of the game you can you die and you can get right back up from where you died the only thing that happens is you actually age in real time so you start the game as a 21 year old and you're out for revenge and actually the beginning of the game is really really cool it's very cinematic very martial arts film 
very classic, you know, martial arts film. I love martial arts films anyway. And it, it really captures that. And then it like gets into the, and it kind of does this surprising twist right in the first couple of minutes. Uh, and then it gets into one of the coolest montage sequences I've ever seen in a video game. It like over the opening credits, you're like playing a training montage and, you know, it's going, becoming this 21 year old kid who knows martial arts. It, it's, it's really clever and well done. Uh, but then every time you die, you go up in age. So, uh, I guess maybe you start at 20 and then you age to 21, your first death, but then you age to 23 and then 26. So it's like this um, exponential growth. And every time you pass another decade of life, your thirties, your forties, your fifties, your sixties, you lose a a coin along this chain and you, you, um, you know, you, you, your stats change. So you'll, you are older, so you can do more damage because you've been around longer and you have more experience, but your health is lower, right? So you get, you're, you're more damaging, but you're more, you die quicker as well as you get older, which I think is pretty clever. And your character ages visually, which is really well done. Wait, wait, wait. I'm supposed to be getting stronger because I not only die easier, but I'm also much, much weaker now. Yes, no, I but you haven't been be, training so. in Kung Fu. If you have been, if your Kung Fu had been getting better, Maybe you'd be more deadly because of the years of Kung Fu training. But Christian, my understanding is you do zero Kung Fu training. You're just <laughs> getting <do>. older. <laughs> I'm just getting older. I only have the bad part. <laughs> exactly. Um, so it, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I mean, it's a weird, it's a cool mechanic that just seems arbitrary because literally, I mean, the idea, if the idea were that you get older and then you you revisit this place and you're older and you're, you're changed. I mean, that would sort of make sense, but no, literally what happens is you die and you just stand back up a year older. It's very, it makes no sense whatsoever, but it's still cool. And there's all these wacky systems of, of roguelike layered on that. So can we pause real quick before you get to that? Cause I do want to get to that. Um, but I also want to spend a little bit of time talking about the fundamental basics of combat, if you're able to, because it's not like before we get to like that next layer, like, you know, fingers on controllers, because this game has a very unique approach there also is my understanding. It's not like A, 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 B or something like that. I mean, it is a lot. It, there are combos, right? It, it, it is in a large sense, um, you know, like I said, Street Fighter meets a brawler. So you're doing you know, up, down X to do a, you know, a sweep, uh, you're doing, you know, um, a, a, B to do a certain combo, whatever it is, you're, you're doing button presses and mixing up combos and you can buy other combos for a particular run that unlock those combos. But if you die, if you die out, you know, if you die past age 70, your game is over and your run is over. And once that happens, you lose all of the stuff you bought unless you bought them five times in the same run and then they're permanent. So you have this weird push and pull of like, well, do I want to buy multiple different cool things to be awesome on this run or do I want to just invest all my XP into buying the same thing five times so I get it on a future run? Which is not a very fun decision-making point i i don't think i don't think that's makes it more fun to be like well i guess i'm just buying this again just just throw my money away in this run because i know this run isn't going to go very far 
but I want to have a run this- built for long term. Like you're kind of sacrificing that run yeah. for the hope that having that ability long term, it's like grinding almost. It's grinding. It's 100% grinding. And the bad news is grinding in Sifu is grinding in the sense that there's no randomization of enemy placement, uh, level layout. The levels are cool. I think the levels are really well designed and interesting and you're there's multiple paths in in several of them but once you've done it you know a dozen times you're like well i know that you know it's like that scene in groundhog day uh, breath of wind cue the guard you know it's, it's all that <laughs> stuff it's just like i know exactly where they're going and i'm i'm just hoping that i get through it a little better this time than i did last time and and take less damage because the game is so brutal. I mean, it's brutal. And and uh, it's it's one of those games where like if you start dying, you can get you can go from your 20s to your 60s in like a matter of seconds and be like, "No again, no, no." And it's it, you know, it is very it can be very frustrating and the the combat system to get more to your actual question. The combat system I think is cool. But it is very much a combat system that I think folks that really love things like Sekiro or, um, you know, or the Souls games or Bloodborne, games that really require precision um, will like, right? This game is, is that. It is frustrating. It is hard. It is challenging. It rewards precision. It rewards learning the game and getting better at it. So for a lot of folks, that's a, a real benefit. But in the context of this game, I found it to be more frustrating than fun because the levels themselves, you just have to beat your head against the wall until you get it, until you get better. And oftentimes you'll be like, well, I uh, I bought this awesome combo and then you die and then you start another run and they're like, you, you do that combo because it's in your muscle memory. It's like, oh, right. He didn't do it because I didn't know, I don't own that combo yet in this run, you know? So you're building muscle memory, you're building your mm. your mm-hmm. skill level, but then it sort of like sabotages you if you haven't done the grinding part to make those combos permanent. So it just, it, it's kind of some, some of that just doesn't make sense to me uh, from a design perspective. Um, when I was reading about this game, I feel like this is a great example of a game for read the reviews. Don't just look at the scores. Like I'm stoked to see this is from a small studio and it's getting really good scores. Um, But I think it's like, if you have reviewers whose opinions you like, or like listening to Jeff and you know, Jeff's, you know, the types of games that Jeff gravitates toward. And, and I think it's super fascinating because a game is so much more than its score, especially now where there are so many different types of games and genres of games. And this month, I'm very curious to see, like, because you mentioned the Souls games. I'm very curious when Elden Ring comes out here in a couple of weeks, how that, you know, difficulty curve is is yeah. compared to Sifu and to other games that aren't just Souls-likes. Right. Because now we're seeing that applied to other types. And I find that fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think folks that listen to this show uh, regularly know that I don't love the the beat your head against the wall type games. Um, and I, I know, for, I think for some, Sifu is going to be one of their favorite games of the year. I mean, we're already seeing some of that. Some folks, reviewers were saying, you know, it's game of the year caliber. And I think, I, I think even objectively, even when I sort of separate out my own personal 
level of frustration that is not as enjoyable for me. I still think that this game has pretty significant flaws. Just structurally, like the roguelike layers of it are are pretty clumsy, I think. It it is not it doesn't feel the best roguelites for me, like Hades and um, you know, uh, Rogue Legacy and you know, like some of my favorite roguelikes, I feel like even when I'm doing a or um even uh Dead Cells, right? When I'm doing a run and it doesn't it it doesn't end up getting me farther than I've been before, I still feel like I am progressing in some significant way. I still feel like the time I spent was useful. And I don't always feel that with Sifu. Like there are everything gets stripped away when you die, unless you bought the same thing five times, right? So it, it kind of it doesn't automatically mean that you get better. And even if it's the like, well, Jeff got better, not the video game avatar got better. Well, yeah, Jeff got better for this run, but like maybe the skills that I bought this run, I don't buy next run because there's also weird gating on some of the skills that you can buy. Like if you die, certain skills you can only buy uh, at, at certain age points. So if you... You know, if you don't do something at a, before a certain time, you won't be able to do that thing. Or, you know, there's certain, these, these idols that you can get that are locked in certain age categories and have different currencies. It, 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 it's, it's very muddled and very complex, and I think overly so, and not, not in a good way, in my opinion. I mean, it's nothing new for video games to have a sort of complex progression systems, but I just feel like Sifu doesn't do itself any favors by making all of that so um, complex and 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 unintuitive, um, but having said that, the combat is really fun. The game is really beautiful. the The storytelling is cool. The way you you're moving through this, you know, you're taking down this this crime organization, and like the central uh, metaphor is this, you know, the board with the yarn connecting all the things, and so you'll find certain clues in the levels and they'll add to the board and give you more information. And, you know, the way the game, the, the sort of the, the style of the game is it, it, it just nails that martial arts movie thing that, that is so fun. You know, the, the revenge movie, the, the cool honor uh, among thieves and all that stuff. Like it gets all that. Um, it just, I just found it more frustrating than I wanted it to be. I, I, I wanted, I wanted to be, you know, one of the big things I haven't talked about is like Sekiro, like so much of the game is about how you block and timing your blocks. And you have this thing called, uh, what is it called? Like, I think it's with an S, um, uh, structure. I think it's called structure, uh, in Sifu. And you, you know, every time you block, your structure goes up and at a certain point it'll break. So you're no longer able to block. So you have to do things to, you know, affect your structure. And I mean, it's very technical. And again, for some, that'll be a huge plus. But for me, I, I kind of just wanted to have more fun uh, doing my combos and doing my moves than worrying about all these systems. And, and I guess that's just my preference as a player. Like I, Sekiro was never my favorite thing. The Souls games were never my favorite thing. So take that with a grain of salt. But it, you know, it doesn't have the 
as much as I said it was, you know, a brawler meet Street Fighter, it doesn't have the sort of easy breezy fun of either of those genres. Um, it really feels more like it's it's a very demanding game that needs mm. you to learn it in order to progress. Mm. You will not get past the first boss unless you learn some stuff. You know what I mean? It, it, it and I, you know, I, I'm pretty deep into the game. It's, it's not a huge game, but it's it takes a long time because you're beating your head against the wall. You're doing these levels over and over and over and you're aging up, you know? And, and uh, so I don't know. I, I think it's, it's a game that's going to be talked about for, for at the end of the year, probably with a lot of people that love it. Yes. And sure. the people that love it understand why those that don't, don't. Um, yeah. And it's a pretty small team in Paris, I think 15, 20 people, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, the consensus seems to be, I've actually played it. I installed it just before the show. Um, the consensus seems to be, you know, it's not perfect in its design and everything you've mentioned is echoed by a lot of people, but certainly the team knew who they were making the game for and they went for it. Like yeah. they knew they couldn't please everyone. And they were like, we're going to make a game for those people. Um, and it's probably good that they didn't release it closer to Elden Ring <laughs> because uh, <laughs> even that is cutting it short. Um, yeah. No, I respect yeah. that. I respect that. And I, I, I want to like it more because I, I, I love the, the milieu and the style and the, you know, all the storytelling. Yeah. And like, I, I, I love a martial arts game. I'm a huge fan of, brawlers and street fighter type games and i i I, I mean there are sequences that are super rad in this game like there's this early on in the one like the first or second level there's like a a corridor where you're fighting and it feels like sequence is so cool yeah it feels like that daredevil scene you know where he fights in the corridor from season one of daredevil and it, it evokes you know um the raid the movie the raid and it it has it really feels like you're playing some of these great action movies um, so I, in that sense, there's a lot to like about it. It, it, it just has such weird systems that I don't think do it any favors. I really don't. I don't think the complexity of the systems make the game better. I just think they make yeah. the g- game something to it, reckon with. It, it feels like they designed the base of the game and then they were like, wait, there's not enough game in there. Like there's not <laughs> enough systems yeah. and they wreck their brain trying to think okay what can we add what can we make a little bit more roguelite but not too much but and yeah it does feel a little bit like even with one game i'm like wait why do they do this like that it's yeah yeah but you're like okay you know okay cool i died which lets me level up certain things how what do i want to level up okay there's all these cool combos but if, if you level up them five times you get to keep them permanently but also are you too old are you, you know, it's just like, there's just all yeah. these weird things to have to keep in your head uh, instead of just letting the game flow, which is, you know, what you want. I, I, for me, it's what I want from a martial arts game is that I'm just, I'm kind of in it and, and taking on, you know, I was thinking of you, Christian, when I was playing it a lot, because you're such a fan of the Arkham games. And, and I know you love brawlers as well, but in, in particular, you know, it's, in a lot of ways, it sets itself up. It, a sequence will feel uh, a lot like an Arkham game, but you go, oh, no. In in the Arkham games, Batman is better than everybody else on screen, right? And in Sifu, it's like, no, any one of these dudes could kill you. They're not going to all wait their turn 
to to jump in there and fight you. There's going to be no little indicator that says, "Hey, I'm about <laughs> to smack you." It it's way harder. I mean, it's way more brutal, and you know, you you can still create that symphony of destruction that Batman does but it is way more on you to make it happen. And for a lot of people, that's awesome. For me, it just felt like a heavier lift than I wanted. Anyway, that's Sifu, and it uh, came out today as we're recording this, uh, February 6th. For um, early access, yeah. For early access, yeah. Uh, and again, I was playing it on PC, but I think it's also available on console. Uh, all right, so I, I sort of uh, stole your spot there, uh, Patrick. I, I apologize. What is on your playlist? I can't believe that you guys have wait you haven't talked about vampire survivors before right no i've heard of this game okay. but i have not tried it all right i can't believe that you have not <laughs> talked about <laughs> vampire survivors ever like how did you it's i i don't understand how that happened um <laughs> vampire survivors is a game uh that's three dollars on steam and has been taking the world by storm for the past month everyone is playing it everyone is loving it um and it's kind of wordle for gamers kind of <laughs> like it's it's very simple but incredibly satisfying um so it's a game that how to even describe it it is inspired from the aesthetic of castlevania um, that's, by the way, Jeff, I guess you don't know because you think Konami has nothing. Uh, it's a Konami <laughs> IP. Um, <laughs> that's very successful, venerable, might, people might say. Um, and so you have, you play this little, um, almost static sprite of a kind of monster hunter inspired by the aesthetic of Castlevania in a 2D plane with atrocious graphics like it's kind of uh, 8-bit kind of but the graphics are horrible and you start with one weapon again of many possible weapons inspired by castlevania so you'll have the whip or the dagger or the cross or the bible that orbits around you stuff like that and the the Weapons behave like they would in a Castlevania game, except you're really just on a plane, uh, like Zelda-like, is or even um, Gauntlet is the closest analogy. And you play alone, and the weapons fire automatically on a cooldown. So you'll, uh, you know, swing your whip once every second or something like that and you kill monsters initially there are only a few and you kill them they drop gems the more gems you get uh the higher you level and every time you level uh you get the choice out to choose one additional weapon uh, out of three or four and if you already have that weapon it will increase its level so it will fire more or be more powerful stuff like that very simple premise uh, but the joy of it comes from kind of a loop that is, imagine hundreds of hours of playing Diablo compressed into half an hour. Initially, <laughs> huh. you're this nothing uh, uh, 
slime that can't can barely kill a couple of monsters and very quickly as you level up you start uh acquiring an arsenal and power that allows you to destroy more monsters and of course as the game progresses on a timer there's a timer in the game on a timer you will get more and more monsters on the screen stronger monsters etc etc after a, like 10 minutes the screen if you're you know you're powerful enough to defeat them but the screen is a sea of monsters it's entirely filled with monsters and of course you have accumulated so many weapons that hopefully you can destroy them and of of course you know by the end of like 25 minutes it's insane how many things there are on screen um and one thing i forgot to say or i didn't i wasn't clear about you don't press a button to activate your weapons they just fire off at regular intervals so it's very chill as a game like you're only moving towards the enemies so you know you have little variations like you have um things that will give you bonuses bigger monsters if you kill them they get a chest that gives you one added uh item uh you know, without have you having to level up stuff like that. Um, it sounds a bit like Geometry like, Wars. There's a little bit of that, I guess. Um, but with the really the joy, the best way I can describe it is the joy of Diablo when you've you've leveled up and you you destroy you know armies of yeah. demons. Yeah, uh, and you feel that power. You're so amazingly strong, <laughs> um, and that's what it compresses. In the same way that maybe a battle royale compresses the experience of a survival game, you right. know, or uh, 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 MOBA gives you a 20 minutes game for a an RTS that you would go over a, right. an entire campaign for stuff yeah. like that. And it's got small elements of roguelite and and uh, other little you know, things that we can mention, but essentially it is so much fun, so much fun to go through that. And you have the right weapons and the ones you choose and the combinations and the ultimate weapons. And, but ultimately um, that progression is like crack. It's so fun. <laughs> and it's only, you know, it's only three bucks. So uh, it's, and that helps a lot with the virality. It's a guy who developed it for, you know, a handful of his friends. And for the first three, the first three weeks, no one was playing it. There was like 25 concurrent on, on Steam. <laughs> and all of a sudden, one YouTuber found it and another, U I think it's Northern Lion actually that brought it to. Oh, yeah. Friend of the show. Big popularity. Yeah. Uh, um, it sounds like this year's, fun. it sounds like this year's Loop Hero. I guess it is. I actually I haven't played uh, Loop Hero. So, oh, you would um, really like that, Patrick. I think you would really like Loop Hero. I, I like the two. I, I mean, it's a game that's like atrocious graphics, but does something so clever and so different, and yeah. delivers like this incredible ramp up of of power over a very short period of time. And, you know, it's kind of what Loop Hero delivered as well. Um, yeah, but my issue with Loop Hero is that it came out roughly the same time uh, my daughter came came oh, out uh, yeah. of my wife so <laughs> yeah uh, I, I get that, that i get that a bit of my uh so yeah yeah your power Perfect. ramped up over a very short period of time too. <laughs> nine months <Ramped> down <laughs> yeah uh again the game is called vampire survivors vampire survivors three bucks on steam three go get it you will not regret it or right. you know it will eat up your life so you uh, before we get to your next game i do need to thank our next sponsor which is a new sponsor bespoke post 
This winter, upgrade your daily routine with Bespoke Post and their new seasonal lineup of must-have Box of Awesome Collections. This is so cool. Bespoke Post partners with small businesses and emerging brands to bring you the most unique goods every month. They've got really cool stuff. I mean, uh, these boxes of, of food or like knives and cool stuff. I mean, it's wild. There's there's boxes with like pancake mix and Bloody Marys <laughs> that I'm seeing on here. Uh, it's, it's, it's really a box of awesome. And no matter what you're into, their box of awesome has you covered. Winter cocktails, cozy threads, maybe camping gear essentials. It's really a, a different kind of a box of cool stuff. This box of awesome has collections for every part of your life. And the way you get started, which is, I think, really clever, is you take a quiz at boxofawesome.com, and then your answers help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories, and it's free to sign up. You can skip a month or cancel any time, and each box is valued at around $70 but you only pay a fraction of that price. Plus, with each box of awesome, you're supporting small business. 90% of everything that comes in your box of awesome is from a small up-and-coming brand. You can get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code DLC at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com and code DLC for 20% off your first box. Boxofawesome.com, code DLC. I mean, these, these boxes are so cool. There's, you got to see, there's like hot sauces from small brands all over the country, some from Texas, some from Nevada, California. Uh, I, I mean, I'm kind of taken with this. It's, it's a really unique, interesting thing. Probably would make a great gift or a gift for yourself. Boxofawesome.com and then code DLC at checkout for 20% off. All right, Patrick, tell me uh, what else is in your playlist. You know what's in my <laughs> playlist. Wild Rift is the game I've been playing um, almost nonstop every day for two months, I guess, two and a half months. Um, and Wild Rift, for those who don't know, is the mobile version of League of Legends. And um, I had never played League of Legends. I launched it maybe twice and seeing the complexity of the thing, I noped out in 30 seconds. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm in the, you know, I, I am you essentially, listener who has not played League of Legends. Um and like you guys, I watched uh, Arcane a couple of months ago and oh, I was gobsmacked by the quality of that show in every respect. And I was like, you know what? Maybe maybe that universe could be interesting. So I got a couple of games and I got interested. And uh, I really... Wild Rift has everything that makes League of Legends cool in a heart, uh, Heroes of the Swarm... Uh, of the Storm... God. Heroes of the Storm uh format like games are 20 minutes um the the it it is extremely approachable and uh the 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 controls 
on the phone works really well. It's still a serious game. Like, it's not a game you're going to be playing on the bus because if your connection, by the way, on the plane, I don't think it would have worked because if your mm. connection oh. drops out, um, that is a big problem. Right. It's a serious game. Like, it's a, it's a traditional PC console type experience on your phone. Um, and it kind of, the thing that it did for me, I had played Heroes of the Storm you know, not a very long time, a few dozen hours, maybe 30 hours is my estimate. So nothing, maybe, uh, uh, maybe a bungee of your Activision Blizzard. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's yeah. accurate. That's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, and one thing which I hadn't really understood is uh, for how approachable Wild Drift is, and it is, um, the fact that you only have one map, I always considered it to be a weakness. I thought it was, oh, but it's going to get boring if you only have one map. But in reality, what it, it allows you to do is it add, it forces you to pay attention to the tiniest details, um, which you don't have to, of course, in the beginning. You're just having fun. But if as you dive into um, the 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 intricacies of the game like the timers on the spawn for you know the mobs or the 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 uh when you're going to be laning when like you have to be very uh aware of what's happening on the map and there's a depth that maybe is there in heroes of the storm but i didn't find because you were just jumping from one map to the other and it was fun but it wasn't as like okay i i have i'm going to be paying attention to this and improve through the knowledge of the flow of the game, um, in, in which is present in Wild Drift, and you get all the characters you know that you like, and they're very well designed. They use uh, the the systems in clever way to uh, change things up uh, with that character. You're like, oh my god, I can do this with this one. Like that's how it works, and yeah. it's something which uh, Heroes does as well. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just you know. It's convenient because it's on your phone and you always have it. Um, and it is as approachable as Heroes of the Storm. So huge hit for me. And I would recommend it to anyone. That's Wild Rift. And that is what Patrick has been playing. Uh, Christian Spicer, it's on your playlist. Well, I can say wholeheartedly now, not limited to just the first few levels. Um, Ollie Ollie World. It's still early, but we are in February, also known as the year, the month that the game of the year comes out. Apparently, early. <laughs> um, early, early. well, I think I think lo- the word you're looking for is uh, February apocalypse. <laughs> that's that's the one. <laughs> Drops, Christian. <laughs> man, man, um, that's too good. Can't top it. Okay, I'm done. Jeff, what's on your plate? <laughs> uh, um, Ollie Ollie World is phenomenal. Um, I love the franchise you know, repeating myself when I could talk about limited uh, stages of the game Um, when it was on Vita and the creativity across biomes as you travel across this map are so fun and fresh that I found myself wanting to revisit them just because of the aesthetic, even if largely what I'm doing, you know, that act of 2D skateboarding, um, is the same, but doing them in the different environment, bees or ghosts or whatever you're doing, I think adds such visual flair to the entire experience that depending on my mood, um, I find some more relaxing (laughs) than others. And it is such 
a phenomenal skateboarding game on its own. I think in terms of the tightness of the controls, the fluidity, the you know frames per second, all of that stuff, and then also the way that they have attempted to um, handle accessibility, maybe not accessibility, difficulty. Um, the first game, I'm trying to remember if this is true, the second game as well, but the first Ali Ali, there were points where you couldn't progress. It was like, I forget exactly. I was like, I need to plug in my Vita, um, get stars or, you know, you'd hit moments where it's like, this level is so hard. Like hearing you talk about seafood, Jeff kind of reminded me of that. Well, like I need to at least get the, I'm making this up, but like hundred thousand score so I can have the thing to get to the next thing. In an Ali Ali world, as I remember it against that, that first Ali Ali, it's just completing the level which isn't always a, a, a breeze. You know, you have to chain a couple of wall rides together and hit a grind and stuff like that. But that, the act of getting to the, to the end is a celebration in Ollie Ollie world. And the way that I didn't think it was the same in the first few games where it was more about doing those um, high scores and trick goals and Ollie Ollie world still has that. And they will unlock some of the side paths and, and, um, bonus levels you can do i really like the way this game celebrates just a great skate session and i think the way they also then blew up that idea with having these infinite runs um is really cool and fun to see where it's kind of like a zen mode in tetris right where it's like just play find your moment have fun and that can be enough you know, we talked about on Halo Infinite where you're like, I remember in my day when playing the game was all you needed. And it's like, you didn't need progressions and this, that, and the other. And Ollie Ollie World, I think, really looks to take that advice. You know, <laughs> like playing yeah. the game is enough and we're going to give you a way to do it. And I, I really love that. And I think, I think my tweet was, even in this February of too many games, Ollie Ollie World is a it's a game that should not be overlooked. And support super ultra wide. Which is, <laughs> I mean, in that 32-9 aspect ratio, it is made for this game because you're it's you're going left to right. And the more that you see out in front of you, the more time you have to prepare for what's coming. Really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um oh go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, the other game I want to talk a little bit more about just briefly is um, Pokemon Legends Arceus. And what I find fascinating the more I play this game, uh, and I don't think I really hit on it last time, is is how much um, the, the pain point of going back to town or village are gone in Arceus, where you can craft almost everything you need out in the world. Yes, you got to go get the resources to then be able to craft your heavy ball or, you know, your super revive or whatever it is. But the fact that you can do it and you can change out Pokemon without needing to go back to town or to a, a, a Poke Center, I think is huge. And as I was crafting, which other games had cooking and you could camp and, you know, there were certainly ingredient recipe use in other Pokemon games. But as I was spending more time crafting the items I would need before I went into what I pictured was going to be a difficult encounter, and Pokemon Legends Arceus is hard. Uh, It's not Sifu hard. It's the hardest Pokemon game I've played in a long time, whether it's like, oh yeah, I need need to go do some stuff. I can't just like, it's like, 
so many other games just like, well, now I'm at the water gym. I'm clearly ready for it because I did the rock gym. Like, you know, it kind of builds this natural progression. Um, as I was crafting these items in the game, I was really kind of wondering like how far away from the fundamental Pokemon formula, which up to this point, I think had been that gym progression. Can this franchise get and still be a Pokemon game? Like I was found myself re-examining what is a Pokemon game versus some of these other creature catching, you know, pocket monster, which I know is Pokemon game. And is it really just that collection and battling with your ally or is there something else fundamentally different that Pokemon still has that these other games, Digimon or whatever, or what was that game that kind of took, was it E3? One of, uh, or maybe it was Jeff's showcase. Jeff, remember you were like very excited about it. And it was like the one game that wasn't a shooty. It was very visual, very beautiful, yeah, uh, colorful. D- uh, 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 don't, what is it? Doku? Doku? Yeah, something. What's it called? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm anyway, super sorry. excited about the I, game. Yeah, I, put I don't think it's going to be like a Pokemon spot. game. I really don't. But. but it has like creature battling to some yeah, extent. Yeah. And that's what, and so I don't have an answer Do-K-V. for it. Dokevi. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, game. Patrick. Um, I, I'm curious, you know, what listeners think about Arceus and does it move that core Pokemon-ness that we all have inside of us that love the franchise? Does it embrace it or does it kind of pull away from it and find its own thing? And Jake Z32 in the chat says it's always loved collecting and that's, what Arceus is really good at. And I agree. Like the fact that you can just go out and collect and catch and battle what Arceus does is so smart, but I'm super curious what Pokemon is now as a franchise. And I don't have an answer for it, but the more time I spend in Arceus away from that traditional structure, um, the more I wonder how much further they can push it and still have me be like, yeah, this is, this is Pokemon. This is what I want and what I need. Or at what point I'll be like, this isn't Pokemon anymore. <laughs> and it's fascinating to hmm. me to see franchises evolve that way. Yeah. It's cool that they're able to do that with a game, with a franchise that old too. They're, you know, very cool. And like half step it, right. It's not breath of the wild, which I think is the other version of this where Nintendo or Metroid prime back in the day where it was like, yeah, really a departure. Thought it was this. Now it's this, this is yeah. like, it's Pokemon. And then the more I play it, I'm like, but how is it Pokemon? Right. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, love to see that discussion in the, the chat or in uh, more, I think even better would be at the in the subreddit or in the Discord. So I uh, hope you join those communities and give Christian some uh, feedback on Pokemon. I am not the person to answer that question. Never been interested <laughs> in Pokemon. Uh, although, you know, who knows with my children getting older, maybe they will embrace it and I'll be sucked in. We'll see. All right, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Patrick Beja, it is always a delight when you're here. Thank you for making time for us. Thank you for staying up in Helsinki time. I know it's late there, so thank you for that. Thank you for having me. Uh, Tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the awesome stuff you do online. Well, listen, uh, the English uh, language stuff is on hiatus, so I'm not going to recommend it. But if you speak French, go check out Le Rendez-vous Jeu. Uh, It's a weekly show about games that I do with uh, good friends. And uh, if you speak French, you'll understand. If you're learning French, it might be a show that you have a familiarity with because you understand the topics. Uh, And otherwise, 
you know, that's it. Just follow me on Twitter. Not Patrick everywhere. What a cool way to learn French. That would be listening to you guys talk about video games. That's awesome. I, maybe I should try that. I, I, I want to learn French. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? I took French throughout high school and two years in college, and I, I still don't think I, I know French. So maybe video games will be the thing that finally uh, <laughs> get start, me to learn. Start, set, set your consoles to French and play your games in French. I'm sure it's oh, going to work out cool. great. I was really good at getting good grades and not good at learning the language. It's like how I <laughs> how I played it. Uh, I have a newsletter you can subscribe to for free at Let's, Let's Chat Games. I do long-form writing about games. You can find it at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. I do about one a month, one or two a month. Um, I think this month, February's, is going to be coming early. I've started on it. It's not done yet, but I hope to have it wrapped up and sent out here uh, in the next week is the goal. And then I usually stream this show live on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer, typically at 7.15 p.m. Pacific time. But of course, we always make exceptions uh, for guests and when we can and as uh, you know, other life events come into play. But usually at 7.15 p.m. Pacific time. And then everything else you can find uh, at Twitter, which is at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, the other shows that I do include the film cast, which is about films and TV shows. We have Concerns, which is a comedy science show. Uh, we pick out cool, interesting topics and make fun of them. <laughs> I think you'll like it. Uh, I do the Dungeon Run, which is a live play Dungeons and Dragons show. And I do the fan-controlled football show, uh, twitch.tv slash FCF, uh, talking about fan-controlled football, which is a, a football league that is the intersection of live sports and video games. All right, uh, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Patrick, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I sure do, Jeff. Uh, have you ever seen that show called One Strange Rock? Uh, it's a documentary series featuring Will Smith, uh, directed by uh, Darren Aronofsky. Wow. And that show was really cool. If you can catch it somewhere, uh, please do. In Europe, it's not available everywhere. But that's not actual, actually my uh, recommendation. My recommendation is Welcome to Earth, which is essentially the same thing, except they probably have the rights to the thing with NASA and there were like uh, astronauts in that in that other show. But Welcome to Earth is actually even better. It streams on Disney Plus. It's an exclusive on Disney Plus, And it is incredible. Like Aronofsky is, you know, the filmmaker Aronofsky. So visually, it is so stunning, so striking. Will Smith is fun and cool because he's Will Smith. And um, it's it's really great documentary series, which will surprise you. You will learn stuff. And there is no way you can watch a show, an episode of this, and not learn something from, like, the planet that some animals or creatures do something that is mind-blowing and you you should know because it's so incredible, but you don't because there are so many. Anyway. Welcome to Earth on Disney Plus. Highly recommended. It. It's fun cool. and easy to watch. I'm I'm going to check it out. 
couldn't be a cooler title, by the way. I mean, stealing his own catchphrase, pretty awesome. Christian, what is your parting gift? As mentioned earlier on the show, I rented a movie last night, a movie I wanted to see in theaters, but still, you know, COVID, not not doing that for me. Um, and uh, Last Night in Soho, which is Edgar Wright's newest film, uh, I think I'm down for whatever he directs. It's <laughs> so good, just, right? It's just good. It, it and just a visual flair. Like I, I really enjoyed the entire film. I, as I like sit on it now, I'm like, oh, this script issue or whatever. But the, the performances are top notch. I, I don't think the end is great, but it's it's so, it was on my top ten of the year because the it's so much fun. The getting it's, to the end. <laughs> it's so much fun and so stylish. Everything yeah. like Baby Driver. The opening, whatever it is, 15 minutes of Baby Driver is maybe the best thing ever captured on not actual film. Um, I don't think he filmed that on actual film. Um, but everything he does is just has a, a sense. And I was telling my wife this earlier today. We're like, the way Edgar Wright makes his movies is how I wish my life was. We're like, <laughs> there was a soundtrack. Like, I remember way back before smart homes were a thing. And it was like when Bill Gates walks into his, you know, $20 million, whatever, $200 million home, like, pictures change to display the art of the Moody's in, and music starts in these various rooms. And like Edgar Wright movies always have that perfect soundtrack at the perfect moment that like, I wish I got into my car and just like, it started playing. I sit down to podcast and you, whatever it is. Edgar like, Wright movies. They're like Bill Gates's house. <laughs> <laughs> With the context I provided, they are. Um, and like after this, after last night in Soho, I was like, I'm going to listen to that everything every song was perfect in it and then i pulled up the soundtrack and i was like yeah i don't really like this by itself <laughs> man it was so perfect every, every like yeah. he portrays a version of the 60s in it that i would equate to quentin tarantino's um once upon a time in hollywood version of hollywood or like i don't think that version of london ever existed the, the edgar wright 60s london but man, I want to visit it. Uh, last <laughs> yeah. night in Soho is the closest I could get. It's just beautiful. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I agree. Super, super fun movie. Um, my parting gift is a new Netflix series that has got to have one of the best premises ever. If you haven't seen this yet, it's called Murderville, and it st stars Will Arnett as a grizzled cop named uh, something Seattle, Don Seattle, Peter Seattle, something Seattle. I can't remember. Um, anyway, he's a grizzled cop and he's got to solve a murder every episode and every episode he gets a new partner. And that partner is a famous celebrity who enters the show, which is a scripted show uh, without the script. And they have no idea what is happening. They have no idea who the murderer is. They have no idea where they're going to go or what they're going to have to do. And everybody else has the script and knows the stuff and they have to improvise alongside Will Arnett and uh, try to f solve the crime at the end of the show. It, it's so funny and so fun. Uh, the celebrity guests are like uh, Kumail Nanjiani and Conan O'Brien and even uh, Marshawn Lynch in the second episode is, and he comes, he does surprisingly well. Uh, it's, uh, it's a, just a brilliant premise and it totally lives up to its premise. I was, giggling throughout uh so I, I recommend murderville which is on netflix all right we also got a listener suggested parting gift this was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com this comes to us from yannick who writes uh hey guys i would love to suggest price tracking sites as a listening listener parting gift 
Whether you'd like to receive an alert when a game or computer part or general item drops in price or want to know how regularly its price fluctuates, there are many sites that can help you with these tasks. The ones I regularly use are gg.deals for PC games, Deku Deals for console, console games, pcpartpicker.com for computer parts, and camelcamelcamel.com for anything on Amazon. All of these sites show you historical graphs of an item's price so you can see if a new sale might be right around the corner and can send you alerts when a target price is met. If you're not in a rush to buy something, you can save a lot of money with these tools. All of these sites cover the U.S. and Canada, and some cover more countries as well. Keep up the great work, guys. Yannick. Thank you, Yannick. Uh, very cool. I have used a couple of these, but I wasn't aware of... I've used PC Part Picker a lot, but I wasn't aware of uh, some of the others. So I think a great parting gift. This is a great parting gift. Actually, very useful for folks listening. So thank you. If you're listening and you have a great parting gift, or even a, you know moderately interesting party gift we'll we'll take it we'd love to know (laughs) send it to us dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those if you'd like to hear yours on our show all right that's it for this episode of dlc thanks again to patrick beja and christian spicer for hanging out with me thanks to our musical contributors patrick l sean madigan and zero star for those bumpers thanks to all the folks in the live chat for hanging out with us in real time and thanks to each and every one of you who download the show. We appreciate you. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.